0: Y'all doing that? So, sure like to thank y'all for stopping by for another episode of this removing the illusion pie talk here, man. Let me tell you. And tonight, before we get started, y'all always know that I can tell y'all what I'm smoking on. But I'm not smoking on anything right yet. But I'm gonna preview this here cigar for y'all that I'm gonna be smoking on a little later. It's called an Oscar Veladera Superfly. Now y'all knows since I haven't smoked it yet, I'm gonna tell y'all what these folks say. Now, what these folks here say is this is a super corona. 5.5.25 by 45 in size. This Oscar Veladera Superfly Super Corona Cigar features a Mexican San Andreas wrapper over Honduran binder and fully aged fillers from Honduras, Nicaragua, and the Dominican Republic. This cigar produces rich notes of pepper, cocoa, sweetness, and some floral tones, all delivered in a creamy, smooth, full-body fashion. This single cigar packing is your formal introduction to one of Oscar's tastiest blends. Now, let me tell y'all. Now, my buddy John at the Cigar Spot last weekend, he said these buys were pretty good. Now, when I looked at it, I was going to buy one, but I think I kind of had second thought because I thought it looked too pimped out, you know what I mean? Because I know a lot of times, you know, some of these uh, superstars and, and actors, you know, they get their own basketball player, they get their own cigar. Like I saw one Ray Lewis cigar, and I heard that Ray Lewis cigar ain't worth a hill of beans. It can't tackle nobody. It make it knock somebody down from having a headache because it's so bad that just what I heard, you know, not the facts. But I seen this Superfly, and I picked it up anyway, and I said, well, I'll smoke it throughout the week when Thursday come, when I get ready to, you know, get ready to have a good stick. So I'm looking at it right here in my hand, and I thought that this Superfly, just came to me. It came to me like a vision out the sky. It said the perfect pie talk to do, right? We'll feature this super fly because it fits it. The pie talk I'm going to bring out tonight is on janky people and also some of them peep, them pimp preachers, you know, them super fly preachers in the pulpit. And I got to think and I said, you know what? When I was up there in the mountains of California, I wrote another story. The story that I wrote was called Janky Jones. Now let me tell y'all, when I was up there, when I was in the mountains of California, I had plenty of times on my hands to do a whole heap of things. So I started writing. Now y'all heard one of my stories, Southern Style Stories, the story I did on Mary. This one here is called Janky Jones. Now Janky Jones, is another true story now. I got to tell y'all, the names has been changed to protect the stupid and the ignorant. Now, I'm just saying, stating it, you know what I mean? But you know what? The superfly bitch is just perfect. After I bring y'all the story that I wrote on Janky Jones, right, I'm going to be letting y'all listen to this recording because you're talking about Janky people now. Now, y'all know what Janky means. Janky is a term that we had down there in Louisiana for people who's always cutting it and conniving, always up to no good. You can't trust them for nothing. They're always trying to get a coin out your pocket, them Janky people. They're always telling a to lie about something. They always put themselves up to look good, them Janky people. Let me tell you something, this story here again, a true story called Janky Jones, and then at the end, at the end of the story, right, I'm going to let y'all listen to this little thing I record on this preacher, now this preacher here, you're talking about Janky, he is the Jankiest of the Janky, and we're going to talk about it, so right now, I'm going to shut up, I'm going to let y'all get off into one of my Southern Star stories called Janky Jones, then I'm going to bring y'all that recording on that preacher, then, we're going to talk about some things, all right? Because it all's in the same line. Superfly Cigar, my story, Jackie Jones, and the jankiest preacher of them all. Y'all hear this message. Sure won't make you mad, or it just makes you tired a little more. All right, now, I'll catch up with y'all on the other side of the story. got to go back to
1: Louisiana, you You see, I
0: was born across the Red River, y'all, there's Chandy Hospital, over in Pineville, near Tioga, y'all, the Lord, open my eyes. Hey there, y'all. So sure glad you both decided to come back and hear another story from this old hound Dog. And before we get into this here good old Sunday Side Story, I want to tell y'all, I'd just like to say, if y'all enjoy these little stories I'll be bringing, then please consider visiting the website and contributing to Dallas to This hip-hop blog. blog. Because advertisers out here are avoiding me like I was O.J. Simpson's best friend or something. And even if you don't want to contribute, I don't mind. Keep on listening, downloading, and telling a friend about this old hound dog with a whole lot of stories to tell. Just like my uncle Pat used to say, some folks go to bed hungry because they ain't got no food. And other folks go to bed hungry because they ain't asking no food. So Mr. Ma just asked 99 guy done harassing y'all like a seagull on the beach. Now let's go on and get off to this story before it gets cold. Like warm bricks on the stove. One of the most common denominator when dealing with folks is money. And the most common of words there is, is the word need. Put money and need together and you get the words, a sucker is born. That's a quote by Reverend Oswald 2 Chains Will born Walker himself. And that's just what Jackie Jones thought about folks. If there was a hustle to be run on folks to take money out of their pockets and supply his own needs, then in Janky view, what's wrong with that? Janky would say, if you got a fool who don't bump his head, someone else going to do it instead. That's what Janky Jones always said. Jackie Jones never had much belief in anything. On County never had anything consistent around him to believe in. He never knew his mom and pa and had lived with a number of folks and families by the age of 10 years old. So about the only thing he remember about folks was money changing hands from one family to the next when he was passing along like a French whore on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. You see the Jackie, families only took him in to get extra income until he met Reverend Oswald 2 Chains Wilborn Walker. That last family Jackie lived with, he ran away from them to live with Reverend Oswald 2 Chains on account of that matter, and was looking to bring in a younger proper kids to foster for extra money, that is. They had adopted about eight other kids along with Jackie. On account they couldn't have any kids of their own. And the husband was a lazy bum who didn't work at all. All he'd done all day till nightfall was stay in the backyard underneath the hood of one of them ragged cars, turning the wrench, and drinking on past Blue Ribbon beer. That was what we called a shed tree mechanic back then. He really didn't like kids, but what was an easy way to make money and have slaves around the house, they get a few messed up in the head, foster kids was his thinking, hey, if they didn't work out after a few, they could always be set back for another year. And another head always meant another chick. Now, the fellow wasn't abusive or anything like that, although he did talk to the kids any kind of old way. He wasn't physically or sexually with them, nor his wife, not even with the little gals they adopted. He just didn't have good intentions for the kids when it came to raising them right and helping them overcome the experiences some had gone through, including Janky. They only was in it for the money and to be as lazy as possible when it came to working. And now I'm telling this is a story, that fellow was the one who first started calling Jackie Janky. He started calling that boy that so much until the little fellow actually started thinking that was his darn name. And you got to watch what you call kids, too, because some kids take on many of them nicknames and start acting them out. So I would say that name Janky would stick to that boy like snot on a frozen pole. And Janky recalled the day that that mechanic fellow, Mr. Peters, started calling him that, too. Mr. Peters was in the backyard one day under the hood of one of the neighborhood fellas' 1971 Chevy Noah when he ran out of beer. So he called for Terrence, which was Jaggy name at that time, to come go to store for him to get him a can of half Blue rhythm beer. Although Terrence was only eight years old at the time, part of his job was to go to store and Mr. Peters needed a beer run made. Kind of sort of like his adopted wingman. Unlike today, store owners back then had a store in the neighborhood, right on the corner from your house. Not like today you gotta drive 30 miles to go to Walmart to buy from folks who don't even know your shoe size. They got shoes in all sizes, so they don't even have to talk to you. Just find a shoe that fit, pay and go. Nothing personal like back in the day when folks knew who they were doing business with because they had a connection to the neighborhood. But these the folks back then knew Terrence. They knew he was Mr. Peter's boy, so they'll settle him without any question, especially Mr. Peter's being one of their best neighborhood customers, even though he nickeled and dying them to death by buying one beer at a time instead of a six to twelve pack. As much beer as he drank a day, he ran that boy back and forth like a greyhound dog. That boy ran to the store so much I think his nickname should have been Jesse Owens. Because everybody knows cheap beer like that. It takes a lot of pass rhythm beer to do anything besides flush your kidney out. Hey, that barley water make you visit the bathroom so much taking take a wee-wee like every two minutes. And it takes about a 12-pack just to make you burn. And they didn't have to worry about raccoons in their yard either. Don't count Mr. Peter's pit so much in the backyard on the trees for drinking all that past blue rhythm bib, the raccoons thought he was a predator. They better stay away from him because he was moving in on their trash cans. <laughs> Let me tell y'all this. My grandma, nine, two years old today, still drinks past new rhythm bib. One 16-ounce can lasts her the whole day. No kidding. She sip on that one can from sun up cold to sundown hot and still hit you right over to the Marksville Casino and play plenty slap slot machines all night. She be pulling that slot machine with one hand and finishing off that blue rhythm with the other one. Now Terrence didn't mind going to the soap Mr. Peters. Matter of fact, he enjoyed it. On count, Mr. Peters wasn't good at counting the multitasking. He was a hell of a share tree mechanic, as long as he didn't have to follow no book instructions. He was a self-taught share tree mechanic, learned by trial and error, tearing up people's cars. So Mr. Peters would give Terrence $1 to go get him a bill but the store only charged him 75 cents. Instead of giving Mr. Peters 25 cents when he got back, he just kept it and hid the court upstairs in the room with the rest of the coins he had been collecting until one day Mrs. Peters was up in that room that he shared with three other boys. She was in there doing her spring cleaning and found this hiding spot underneath one of the loose wooden floor bowls. Terrence had been collecting those coins for almost a year up to that point before that woman found them. When that woman told her husband Mr. Peters about the coins, he accused Terrence of stealing from him and cursed that little fella out like he was a grown man, calling him a janky little nigga who wasn't going to be anything when he grew up, just a janky little demon nigga, and he would never trust him again and do anything to him as long as he breathed the dusty air in their house. And the rest of the time, the other three little fellas who shared the room with him was up there with him. They started calling him janky when they was alone with him and out of ear range of the Peters, because you know how kids can be very cruel. Now, the Peters never done anything with them kids besides keep a roof over their head, feed them, and make them do chores around the house like they were servants or something. But what they did do with good intentions was take them to church each Sunday. But I figured that was just to show for the adoption folks like they were some good moral Christians. But everybody in church knew it was mostly for the after-church eating, and they wouldn't have to cook or feed them kids that day. But that's just my opinion and not the facts. Jackie loved going to church. Besides, it was somewhere to go to get out the house. He really liked Reverend Oswald Two Chains. On com- he was a really good speaker that dressed like Superfly in the pit and looked like Superfly, too. Reverend Oswald Two Chains, he was a light-skinned older fella with long perm black hair who wore a long white robe with a purple collar, shiny silver glasses, gold rings that looked like diamonds on each of his fingers, and, of course, his patented two chains. One chain had Jesus hanging from the cross on it, the other the star David. And they both was big and shining. When the sun came through the stained glass windows just right and hit those two chains, it was like the Almighty Himself had came through and joined the service and started clapping. And that fellow could bring the word too. He would have women running through the church shouting, falling on the floor, shaking like they was epilepsy of something. Even Miss Peter's falling out, catching the Holy Ghost, and speaking in tongues. Although no one seemed to be able to interpret what she was saying, but I reckon that was a conversation between her and the big guy. What Janky especially was observing to was how folks in the congregation would reach deep in their pockets and give their money to Reverend Oswald 2 Chains without even questioning what the giving was for. And that was Janky's favorite part of church when Reverend Oswald 2 Chains read Malachi 3 The music was thrown out slow when Reverend Oswald 2 Chains opened his mouth to say, Bring the full tide into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Then the music start picking up pace when he say, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. The music increase even more when he say, if I would not open the windows of heaven for you and pour it down for you a blessing until there's no more need. After he say no more need. That music in church band would erupt in a foot stomping music like they with a West and Western hold down doing the Cotton Eye joke. Both would be running up to the front to throw their money in them gold round money pans on the front table. While Reverend Oswald two chains stood up there with his hand spread out like he was Jesus himself hanging on the cross. Jackie couldn't believe it. All the power this man had to have both give him money and him not giving anything back to them but fancy talk out of a book where the words are already written down for him to follow and say back to them. And so to asked him a question, he didn't need to know the answer, just read it out of the book, tell him to do what the book say. Couldn't get no easier than that to Janky, and he was only eight years old at that time. Another habit Mr. Peters had was playing the three-digit street numbers. This here was way before the lottery on TV. Y'all may not recall, but state governments sold folks a shovel or donkey Dookie to get them state lottery bills passed. Talking about the money would help public schools. And the public schools been closing down fast over the years. Then Miss Jenny Pearl's saggy tits been falling. And back in the day, that woman had some big, firm tits, too. Looked like two baby midgets sitting up there on her chest. And just in case my wife listened to this episode, honey, that's just what I heard. And not my facts. And to this day, ask the state government official where the lottery money goes. And they have about as much idea as where all that money went they took out them banks in the middle of the night during that first wave of Iraqi invasion. A lot of folks forgot about that too, right? But you know me, never were an out to make political point, or in this case, straight little conspiracy theory. Now a little bit on how the street numbers went. There was either a fella or a gal that came to your house to pick up numbers, or you sent your numbers and money into a gambling shack before the cutoff time, which was usually where before the horses ran that day. Cause that's where the numbers came from, the horse race or the Greyhound dog racetrack. So this one particular evening, Mr. Peters was in the backyard underneath one of those broken down cars trying to fix it. When the number man came by and no one answered the front door. The number man had gone around to the back of the house to the backyard looking for him but claims he didn't see him. I think he didn't want to get his brand-new Stacy Adams shoes all dirty stained up with all on them or something. So he got from around there and left without picking up Mr. Peters' numbers. By the time Mr. Peter, remember he didn't get his numbers in on time, he called for Jackie to come get his number slip money, and take straight to the gambling Shack off Armo and Lash Street, which was about five blocks away from where they live. So Jackie took the money and shot out to the gambling Shack, running like he had tight shoes on, trying to get home to get them off. When he got up to the gambling Shack and walked in, as he walked by each room, he saw older fellas in there either counting money in one room or counting number slips in another. But when he walked by this one room, some told him to step back and look in. And sure enough, he did and saw Reverend Oswald 2 James in there sitting at the gallon table playing tug cars with some other older fellas. It was money spread out on a table everywhere. Probably was the church-tied money and some small shot glasses sipping on some good liquor. Not the kind they sold the Negroes on them corner store. You know, that cheap rock good liquor they be selling. Reverend Oswald 2 Jane saw Janky too and called him over. Although he knew who Jackie was, too. He asked Jackie, ain't you one of them Peters adopted boys? Jackie said, yes. Then Reverend Oswald 2 Chains asked, how many of y'all kids it is by now living on that Peters plantation? As the other old fellas in the room started laughing. <laughs> Jackie told him, nine, four boys, and five gals. Reverend Oswald 2 Chainz just laughed and said, ha ha, that Peters, just an old lazy, no good fella who won't shake a stick out a snake. But they sure do tie well. These sunny. Must be they guilt. But Lord, I take they money anyways. Don fooled and found a way to beat the system and make money while tearing up poor black cars in that grease pit backyard of his. But I respect his hustle. After Reverend 2 Chain said, I respect his hustle, all the grown folks around the table bust out laughing again, yelling, hey, real tell it like it is, Like it was a joke Reverend Richard Pry had just got done telling live on Sunset Strip. Seems like Brother Oswald Two Chains took a shine to Janky. After service on Sunday, after that meeting in the gambling shack, he would tell not ask the Peters and let Janky stay up at the church to help around with the cleanup. But instead of cleaning up, he would teach Janky how to read selected verses in the Bible. After some of that reading, he would show him how to play card games like tug, pity pack, and poker too. Reverend Oswald Two Chains used to tell Janky the most important thing about everything he was showing him was how to read people and make them react the way you want them to. Whether it's playing cards or preaching from the pulpit, you got to know who people are, what's going on in their life, and most of all, what they need. And if they think they don't need something, how to get them to buy anyway. And life was another but a hustle. Either you find your sucker or someone else would find you to be their sucker. And in the end, we all end up in the same place, the grave, and someone got to pay for that before they throw your dead body in that hole and kick dirt over it. At that time, Jackie didn't bit more understand what Reverend Oswald 2 Chain was talking about. He was about as confused as a woodpecker banging his head up against a steel pole that looked like his wood. Jackie was turning 10 years old soon, and things were starting to change around the Peters' house, and there was talking, mumbling, about giving Jackie back to the system. The Pierce had a long history of not keeping the same kids past 10 years old because they didn't want to deal with no teenagers. That was just a headache for them. Plus, you can get more money for younger kids. By this time, Jackie was about tired of them too, with all their slave driving rules. Plus, he never forgot about them coins they took from him, and accusing him of being a thief. So one day while upstairs in the room that he shared with them other three little fellas, he heard a car put to the front of the house. So he went to the front window, and he looked out. And sure enough, getting out of the car was a lady from the state. Jackie automatically figured that woman was coming for him. So he gathered up all his few stuff in a pillowcase and went downstairs and sat on the bottom step to the upstairs to wait on her to knock on the door and come in and get him. But when the lady from the state came in the house, it turned out she wasn't there for him but for one of the other gals who had just turned 10 years old. Jackie forgot he wasn't the only one in the house turning 10, but he also figured it was only a matter of time before she would knock on that door to come get his tail. So that next Saturday came, and sure enough, the stars must have been lined up just for him. Mr. Peters, dumb fool, had forgotten to get his numbers in again. Call for Jackie. Take them to the gambling shack for him. This here time, Mr. Peters gave Jackie a $5 bill and his number slip. Jackie took the money and number slip, ran to the house and upstairs to the shared bedroom, threw his pillowcase with a few little clothes he had in and out the front window onto the front lawn, then till it downstairs out of the house, Fetched it up, took off running down the street with the pillowcase across his right shoulder straight to the gambling shack. By this time, Chanky had made plenty friends up at that gambling shack. Matter of fact, them old fellas up there took a special shine to him because they knew what his home situation was, and they could see he was a good little fella who had been getting screwed around by the system and the Peters. He was smart and observant. He just needed the right mentor. they figured. And it also didn't hurt him by having Reverend Oswald Two Chains take a shine to him either. So Janky gets up to the gambling shack. though we ain't like he normally do, and turning in Mister Peter's numbers. When he turned to leave, he heard a voice call out to him. It was Reverend Oswald Two Chains in the room playing cards with his fillers. Reverend Oswald Two Chains asked Janky, "Where was he going with that filler case on his shoulder?" He told Reverend Oswald Two Chain he was throwing the weight. He was 10 years old now, and the Peters don't want him anymore, and he is not going back to the no adoption home or another foster home in his life. Reverend Oswald Two changes, laughed and said to the other fellas, Didn't I tell y'all this here was coming? Then he told him he knew the Peters like the royal flush he threw down on the table on them fellas he was gambling with. <laughs> Reverend Oswald Two Changed then looked at Jackie and told him he wasn't going back to the Peters or the adoption house and to take his pillowcase down the hall to the back room, last door on the right of the gambling house. He would be staying there from now on and not to worry about the previous order adoption, folks. He'll handle both them suckers. Jackie went down the hall to the back room, last door on the right of the gambling house, just like Reverend Oswald 2 Chain had told him to do when he opened the door up it looked like the room was already set up for him to stay in. Now his educational life would truly begin. In a part one. Y'all got to come back in part two.
1: And he blessed him and he said, so he is pronouncing, he's not talking about what he will do or what he shall do. He is pronouncing that Abram be blessed. Now listen very carefully. We see Abraham being established in God's plan and purpose. He went out to battle against the kings who had taken his brother's son Lot captive. And he defeated the kings. And of course in that day, whoever won the battle got the spoils of the battle. And so he won the great spoils. And as he returned from the battle front, Abram met Melchizedek, king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God. And when he met Melchizedek, he took the tithe of the spoils, he gave it to the high priest, and at the same time, simultaneously, Melchizedek conferred upon Abraham the blessing and pronounced Abraham The blessed one, possessor of heaven and earth. Now remember the Lord had only promised to bless Abraham when he was called in Genesis chapter 12. He had the promise of being blessed. You and I have on our lap 66 books of promise. Now ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad you got the promise. I'm glad Abraham got the promise, but I want to be established in that promise. And what we see in Genesis 14... We see that God now pronounces Abraham blessed. When? When did he pronounce him blessed? When he paid his tithes. When he paid his tithes, he was pronounced blessed. Now, it was only when Abram had paid the tithe that the other aspects of his blessings began to appear. Now, let's again give a quick definition for tithing because I'm getting ready to say some things. Tithing is a systematic release of a tenth of all of your increase to God. The tithe means one-tenth or ten percent. Now God has made it clear that tithing is not giving. It is a special portion of your increase which God has reserved for himself. He tells us in Leviticus 27 and 30, that the tide belongs to the Lord and it is holy because it belongs to the Lord. Now listen to this carefully. This portion does not belong to you. It belongs to God and must be given personally to him as soon as your increase comes in. It is not yours to give, therefore it does not constitute a part of your giving program. Somebody say, what you say? What you say? Say that again. You cannot consider yourself a sower until you, first of all, have been established as a tither. Because a lot of people want to say, uh, you know, well, you know, I'm going to get a harvest back because I'm a tither. No, no, no. Tithing is not a part of your giving program, tithing is a part of your blessing program. You see, you get a person that turns the light switch on and off, on and off. If he's going to get lights when he turns it on, it's because the power bill has been paid. So likewise, if you want to activate the promises that have been given to you, and if you want to be established in the promises of God, you've got to pay the power bill. And tithing is returning to God What already belongs to him, tithing is what empowers you and establishes you within the promises and the blessings. So, if you're not bringing the tithe to your high priest, just like Abraham bought it into Melchizedek and received the, the, the blessing, if you don't bring your tithe to your high priest, Jesus, made after the order of Melchizedek, once you bring your, your high priest the tithe, he releases the empowerment for the promises to begin to operate in your life. So if healing is not operating and you are not a tither, then the reason why healing is not operating is the same reason why lights are not coming on when you put the switch up. The power bill hadn't been paid. Well, I just don't know about that Well, I'm going to tell you something you can, you can have all the promises memorized You can confess all the promises You can shout about all the promises But let me guarantee you this one thing None of those promises will activate Until somebody, meaning you Will bring the tithe to receive the empowerment You want the light for Pay the power bill. You want the blessing? Present the time. Well, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but get your butt out the way and pay the power bill. So <laughs> so when you're calculating the harvest. That should come from your giving. You calculate this way. Uh, because I have given my tithe to my high priest, I am now empowered to sow my seed. I am now empowered to give a sacrificial offering. I am now empowered to give over the tent. In other words, my harvest comes as a result of my empowerment through the tithe that I have given to my high priest. And I give to my high priest because I love him. I give to my high priest not because I got to give, but because. Because I get to give. But I don't think you have to give your tithe. Oh honey, I get to give my tithe. I get to present my tithe to my high priest. And receive the blessing on my life. So when I walk out my house that day. No matter what the devil wants to throw at me. He might as well quit. Because the power bill has been paid. So the practice of tithing. Had existed before the law was given to Moses. Jacob practiced it, and God told Jacob that he would be blessed. But then Jacob didn't get established in that blessing until he made a vow to tithe at Bethel. Go to uh, Genesis chapter twenty-eight. Somebody shout, "I believe!" Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 28 verse 18 look at verse 18 he says and Jacob rose up early in the morning that that's a Hebrew phrase for a new beginning and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for the pillar and poured all upon the top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel but the name of the city was called Luz at first and Jacob bowed a what? Vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in his this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, me, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set forth for a, for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now the amplified says this. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, monument, shall be God's house, a sacred place to me. And, all, and of all the increase of possessions that you give me, I will give the tenth to you. And so what I want you to see here is that I'm sure Jacob in his characteristic usurping way had been withholding the tithe. But when he made a vow to be serious about this... God took him, and planted him in his blessing, when he made the vow. You know, after the service, you're going to get the opportunity to sign your name to a promise to tithe. You know, after the service, you're going to get the opportunity to sign your name to a promise to tithe. You know, after the service, you're going to get the opportunity to sign your name to a promise to tithe. And I believe when you do that, that God is gonna go ahead of even your first action of tithing, and He's gonna honor you right at that point of making that signature, right at that point of making that covenant, right at that point of making that vow. And I'm telling you, the power is gonna be turned over around your life and things that were not working. Ha
0: ha ha! What y'all think about that? That's that old boy, Crapload Dollar. Boy, that dollar Dollar's a bad boy. I think he preaches down there in Atlanta, Georgia. They say he also got a. Uh congregation or a church over in Africa also. This is that pastor that was asking his congregation for $65 million to buy him a jet because his old jet just wouldn't work no more because he's got to fly over to Africa to get some of them heathens over there and turn them over to Jesus. So he needed a new jet. Now at first when I first heard that story about old Creflo Dollar don't want to call him janky Creflo Dollar I'm just stating but when I first heard the story about him. I said that fool must be crazy. The people ain't gonna raise no sixty-five million dollars to get him no jet. Sure enough, they did. They sure enough, them folks raised sixty-five million dollars to buy Mister Crip Low Dollar a jet. So because he can't fly coach, he's got to, and he can't fly around other folks, he's got to fly private. So now he goes over to Africa to turn them heathens to Jesus. Now, Replo Dollar also, he also wanted to buy uh, Madison Square Garden also, but they wouldn't sell to him because they did. he did a couple of shows up there at Madison Square Garden, and he packed that place out. So he wanted to buy because it, it was up for sale. He wanted to buy it, but they wouldn't sell it. That need? Now, that fool, no, they ain't going to sell no Madison Square Garden to no black man. Now, you may you may have a little money, but you ain't got that much money See, sometimes it ain't about money Sometimes it's about principle And the principle is ain't no black man gonna, gonna own a Square Garden Unless all the rest and ate up the foundation And the thing about to fall down That's the only way they gonna set it to us black folks Especially you, Creflo Dollar But see, I don't think Creflo Dollar need it It's Creflo Dollar his, I, think it's, I think his church is called World Changers, I think over in Atlanta, Georgia, they say he got a congregation like 15,000, 20,000. He got a big congregation over there. And I was first introduced to the Creflo Dollar a couple years ago, uh, probably around right about 2008 or 2009. That's a time when I was trying to get myself together. And you know a lot of times you try to get yourself together, you kind of turn to a religion a little bit. Because as a foundation, as a little boy in Louisiana, that's your foundation. Your foundation is religion. So you kind of turn back to that, right? And I got introduced to Creflo Dollar, and like I said, right about that time, he had about 15, maybe $20,000, I mean 20,000 people that he's seeing every Sunday because he had two, three services. Matter of fact, my cousin Red Boy, who was very, you know, very religious, Red Boy went to Creflo Dollar Church, and he said it was spectacular, all them people. Red Low Dollar sure knows how to preach. I mean, he's a very educated and learned man. Now, also a couple years ago, I know he got into a little trouble because he, he uh backhanded his little daughter. She was being a little sassy. He backhanded her, but he didn't get in trouble with the police for abuse. Creflo Dollar got too much money. And a lot of high-minded people goes to his church, also. A lot of dignitaries in Atlanta. And you know how politicians are. Politicians has to pander. Now, it used to be um I think it's the Jones Act that that President uh, Trump is trying to replant or trying to trying to appeal. The Jones Act, you know, it, uh, it allows for churches. Well, but right now the Jones Act is in place. The Churches can't proselytize and pulpit in a sense of backing a political candidate. But Trump is trying to get rid of the Jones Act. If he get rid of the Jones Act, then it'll give churches the green light. To back candidates in the pulpits. Because if you are 50C3, you know, if you were a tax exempt organization, you can't back candidates. Okay, you can't, you you, you can't prositize back candidates. But if they get rid of that that Jones Act, like Trump wanna do for them and for them Christians or whatever they call themselves, that'll give uh, preachers full reign to endorse candidates in a full in their pulpit. Now, when they can endorse candidates in their pulpit, that means there's more money in the preacher's pocket, because y'all know these politicians gonna be paying these preachers like the Creflo dollars, you know, to go to come to their church on Sunday, talk about how much they love Jesus, proselyte them people, and get them votes. That's what it's all about, all about the votes. Oh, I just lied. <laughs> I was a little janky there. I lied. Nope, it's all about the dollar. That's what everything about. It's about the dollar. Now, I remember, you know, like I say, when I was trying to get myself together, we go back a little further to the early 90s, right? I tried to get myself together twice. (laughs) I finally succeeded the second time. (laughs) But I was going to his church back then in 1990. It was a uh, church in Pontiac, Michigan. And uh, I never never forget, you know, I kind of, like I say, I kind of pulled myself away from the streets and all that kind of stuff like that. And, you know, on Sundays, I started going to church. So I started going to church pretty regular. I liked the church, actually. You know, they had a lot of pretty gals there. Even though I wasn't catting around with one of them, because I was trying to get myself together. But that don't mean I wasn't looking when they was coming up and down the highway, especially when they fall out on the float. I always looking real thin, cause they had them dresses on. Maybe things would go up. I can get a sneak preview. <laughs> but I was going there, and and every Sunday, cause I was making pretty good money. Every Sunday, I was um I was tithing. I was also given a love offer. I was also donating to the church fund. I also donated to the preacher anniversary when it came around. But on a regular Sunday, they had about four or five offering, and each one of them offerings I would give. Now, me, I would sit way in the back. I sit way in the back as a little boy. You remember things, but my daddy all time. My daddy went to churches. My daddy never was at one church. He always visited churches on Sunday. He would always sit way in the back. These few times that I went with him. So, a lot of times, things from our childhood, as y'all know, that stuff is compartmentalized inside of our head. So, when I went to church, I sit in the back. And uh must have been probably about maybe a couple months went by. And uh, it was on one Sunday. And after the service, the preacher said he. He said one of the deacons always said that you know, pastor want to see you after the service. I say okay, ain't got no problem with that. You know, I really didn't talk to the pastor up until that time anyway because I'm not going here to socialize with the pastor. I really like the way he preached, and I love the music. And like I said, he had some pretty little young girls, and I was gonna cat around with them girls at least, I wanted something to look at. So he calls me up there, me and me, me and the pastor talking, and um, he said, look. He said, we noticed that you've been given X amount of money every week. I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, but this is what I want you to do. Now, that was his first mistake when he said what I want you to do, especially with my money. He said, I want you to give X amount of money to this fund. I want you to give X amount of money, ties. He said, when it comes to ties, you should give 10% of your gross." I said, no, is the net or gross before taxes? It was one of them before taxes, I said, no. I said, you mean, I say you mean my my gross? He said, no, your net. He said, before taxes, you give 10% of your from your check before taxes. And you know me, I kind of count real fast when it comes to my money. I can't count, I can't count regular, but when it comes to my money, I can count real fast. And uh, I say, so I got to get 10% of my money to you no, he say not to me boy. He say to God. I say, "Oh, okay." I say I got to get 10% of my money to God before taxes. Mean before the government takes their little money out, I got to pay God. And then what's left God going to take the rest of. It. He say, "No, that's not how it goes, son." He say, "How it goes?" He say, he said, "Your neck. Once the government take their money out, Whatever your net was, you still got to pay 10% on that. So I say, so you mean to tell me whatever my check is? Let me make sure I'm getting this here right. Whatever my check is, you know, even though the government going to take out what they're going to take out, I still got to get a church, or oh, I'm sorry, God, 10% of my net. He said, yes, that's it. That's it, boy. You you got it. You do him. And that's how he talked to you, mighty fine, boy. You mighty fine. I should like lock a locker. You know they they go on that old fake speaking in tongues stuff that. So I say, okay. I say, all right. Okay. And uh he said, but that's not it though. I say, sir, he say, when you give your 10% of your net to God. Then I want you to contribute X to the building fund. Now, mind you, they've been putting a church on this building from what I can recollect back then for the last four years. And that church ain't got a roof on it yet. Matter of fact, every time I go outside the church, I look up and the roof looks mighty fine to me. But they've been raising money for this church for I don't know how many, two, three years now for the roof. But it's called a building fund. So I say, okay, X my the building fund. He saying, uh, "Past the anniversary, he say you can't forget past the anniversary." I say, "Well, that's no problem about that, pastor, because the anniversary only come around once a year." He say, "Well, sometimes I have two anniversaries Now I'm not lying to y'all. <laughs> he say, "Sometimes I have two anniversaries in a year." I say, "Oh, okay, you yeah, got two anniversaries." And then he started talking about these other funds. You know, they want to open up a daycare center. was like, okay. So I kind of got a little discouraged. You know, this man here telling me. That I, how much money that I supposed to appropriate to the church especially 10% of my net income now the government didn't already hit me for about at that time probably about 22% 22 or 25% the government didn't hit me now when the government hit me for that 22-25% I still got to pay him on my net I can't pay him on on my gross what I bring home I got still got to pay him on the net I got to get God 10, 2% I, I did the mail all the time I said you know what Every Sunday, you know you you get if you get paid every two weeks, you get this my money. I'm beginning to pay be about six seven hundred dollars a, a month. Ain't no way in hell I'm giving somebody. He can't preach that good. So I got on a got on my phone and call, called my cousin Red Boy. But like I said, Red Boy really you know really into that Bible really heavy him and his wife. So I will tell him that uh you know what the Pratchett told me. He say no. He say he, he say uh he say don't do that. He say the Bible don't say that. He said, the only thing he says in the Bible, he said, in, in the first, in the New Testament. They it was on that New Testament thing. See, these churches use the New Testament and the Old Testament. They kind of use them, you know, irreversible sometimes. calling on what they're trying to get you to do, they use the new or the old. Now, he some Red Boy said, we well, under the new covenant. When you're under the new covenant, so correct the only thing it says, it don't say nothing about 10%. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. I said, Okay, Lord, I love you. Now, he say now, if you read Paul, if you read it, he said when Paul throughout the when Paul's journey the different churches collected things. He said he collected ten percent of like you know the blankets or the quilts or chicken or whatever whatever you know to take to areas that didn't have. So he was collecting just material things. He said, but there was nothing in the, in the New Testament which says that you had to get ten percent of your earnings. Now if you go back to the Old Testament in uh, Micaiah, the last book of the Old Testament, it, it talks about bringing your money to the storehouse, and God would rain down all that kind of stuff like that, right? So I say, okay, all right. So God, don't say that in New Testament. We're a new covenant, right? You know, I see. Say, yeah. yeah. So I went back to church that next Sunday, and I I said, uh, excuse me, Pastor. You know, after service, I talked to him. I say, I'm not going to be giving you my money. I say now, I always give and I always been a cheerful giver. Matter of fact. Sometimes I would give a little more. I have no problem with that because at the time, you know, I was doing pretty good in my job and I had a little, you know, I had a little real estate. You know, I, at least I had that one house at the time. Matter of fact, I bought that house from uh I flipped that house. I bought, no, I bought, I was going to buy another house and I was going to buy the other house from his son because his son was a deacon. The preacher's son was a deacon. He was in real estate. So I didn't know they were trying to prime me to buy a house from his son. I almost did it. I'm glad I didn't. The son tried to be more janky than he was. So I told the pastor, I said, you know, I you know, I I say I read I read the Bible. I said especially in the New Testament, and it says that God loves a cheerful giver. I can't see nowhere in there where it talks about giving anybody 10% on your earnings. He said, Where's well, in that boy? He said you got to go back. And read the whole Bible. He said, you go back to Micaiah, and if you go back to Abraham, when Abraham met Melchizedek, he gave Melchizedek 10% of the storm. Now, it's the same thing that, that um, pretty much the same thing that crypto Dollar is hitting his folks over the head with. Pretty much the same identical thing, you know. Uh, Abraham met Melchizedek. Mel, he gave t- Melchizedek ten percent of the spoils and all that stuff like that. They run all them scriptures down on you. But then you can ask them another question, and they tell you that we don't live. We're not under the old law no more. We're under the new law. The new law is the New Testament. And I got confused. I say, well, I say, well, Pastor, uh, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament don't tell you that. I say, we under the New Testament. He say, no. He say, we still under the Old Covenant also. I'm like, man, I, I was about as, as confused as a bat flying with a sonar malfunctioning. I ain't know which way to go. I'm like, with books it is. And he said, boy, I know I'm the pastor. I say, well, sir, I can't, I, I can't do that. I say, I will continue to be a cheerful giver, but I won't be... Given according, according to your instructions. He said, Well, you disobedient to God. I was like, okay, I'm disobedient to God. So as matter of fact, I said, What I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna I'm gonna leave your church. I'm gonna leave your press." He said, No, boy, don't do that. He said, Boy, when you do that, that means you're coward. That means you're turning your back on God. Now I'm thinking to myself, now I ain't never seen God. Now I, I started I start thinking outside the box. See, see, now they had me when he was preaching to me and he had me focused and I was a cheerful giver. But see, now you bringing all kinds of questions in my head now. See, that's the one that you can't do to people. If you got people on the hook, don't put questions in the head about you. So he start putting a question in my head. I'm thinking myself, cause he keep talking about, I'm doing this to God now. I ain't talking to God right now. I'm talking to, I'm talking to a man. You see what I'm saying? As far as I can recollect, God ain't never told me nothing. Now, me and God had had conversations where I asked him questions, and I think I answered myself. And <laughs> hey, God didn't answer back. You see what I'm saying? I think I answered myself back. So he started bringing the question to my head. So I told him, I say, I oh, only thing I said was yes, sir. I do as you say. And I never went back to that church again. Never went back to that church again. That church lost a good, a good man. And probably some of them gals, and you know, they lost a good man too. <laughs> Cause you know eventually, how, you know you know eventually, out on eventually, out of one of them. <laughs> but it is it, amazing how these folks, how these folks can do this. Now I got thinking to myself. I said, Are people crazy? Are people that are susceptible, are susceptible to stuff like this? But you know what? It's just not in religion. It's not religion that you find janky people. You find janky people in, in, in politics. You find, you find these some of these motivational speakers who just like preachers who use the same technique that preachers. I listened to a podcast on this one uh motivational speaker, I think it's James Earl Ray, I think it was. He killed the girl, he killed a couple people in uh he had this firewalk, not even not a firewalk, but this uh teepee. It's a teepee, it was a sweat lodge, sweat lodge in Arizona, he killed some people, went to jail for that. But he, but he got his fame by, you know, that thing called The secret. When the secret came out and Oprah had him on TV and all these other people, the secret, all this stuff. You know, you can manifest, you know, I got thinking myself, I said, these preachers are, these preachers are just like that. Tony Robbins, they, they just like that. So it's not just the people that sitting in the congregations that's susceptible To all this stuff, it's smart people. Smart business leaders pay $15,000, $16,000, $20,000 to go to some of these Tony Robbins events. Daryl Ray was getting $10,000. $10,000 to to have people come out to his sweat lodge in Arizona and they was living like primitive animals. He said that they had to break themselves. They had to learn how to be strong. They sell people books. Just just like in church, you go to church. Now, I'm thinking of myself like in church, I thought everything was about the Bible, about the Word of God. But why is everybody selling all these other books, right? That take excerpts out of the Bible and write their own personal story for, story on it and sell it to you? That's janky too. If the Bible is all you need, why we well, got all these other books? Like I see some of that old boy TG Jakes they be having their books too, you know. But I like what TG Jakes said one time because TG Jakes was kind of he was kind of kind of honest when they interviewed TG Jakes one time. He said, "Well, look." He said, the reason why I write books because Jesus is the product. He showed did he called Jesus a product. Now, I ain't get mad at him because that was the first time that I heard some honesty from somebody. He's right. Jesus is a product. Jesus ain't a man. He ain't, man. He's a product. He's a marketable product. Just like, just like Tony Robbins and not market their programs, these pastors, they market Jesus. When they're in the pulpit, they're marketing Jesus. So I can't get mad at him. I'm not mad at the Creflo Dollars. It had this one pastor. And as a matter of fact, Creflo Dollar was trained by Kenneth Copeland. So it's just not black pastors I'm talking about here. The Kenneth Copeland's and the uh, and the uh and the uh what's what's that what's that boy name um who got busted? Who got busted? Oh, I can't think of that one pastor name. You have a lot of white pastors See, Let me tell you something A lot of these black pastors I'm going to tell you where they learn this stuff from They learn this stuff from white pastors That's what they learn it from Everything they learn to behave them. They say well you got the white it Like Kenneth Copeland's And, and uh, Tammy Faye Baker's And all that kind of stuff But back in the day I remember when I was a little boy It had a preacher called Reverend Ike <laughs> Reverend Ike was a, pimp, was a pimp preacher Yeah when I was a little boy it had a preacher called Reverend Ike First black man I ever seen on a picture in front of a Rolls Royce. Reverend Ike was part preacher. He was part. Uh, uh, he was part Tony Robbins. Part Tony Robbins. Part preacher. Oh, Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike was getting them boy. But see, Reverend Ike ain't claim to be talking about no Jesus. Now he mixed some of that up in his motivation. Cause Reverend Ike was hitting them gals. <laughs> Let me tell you something. He was, he was dipping his wick in them gals. But. He was one of the first that I can recall back then, but there is no difference between these motivation speakers and these pastors. They all janky, you know, and I like I say again, I, I can't say that, you know, church people are weak in the mind. I can't say that. I can't say that, you know, because rich people get get taken to the bank, too. They get taken out to the woolshed just like poor people do when it comes to their pockets. And then is it just not preachers and motivation preachers? You know, we get we we get susceptible to stuff and get our money taken away from us too. Over fool's gold. See what I'm saying? Because you got some janky other men and janky women out here too that lead you on and take your money if you ain't thinking about what you need to be thinking about. you see that one time only in life you can't be one, you can't be one-sided-minded. Now, one side of mind is when you get something fixated inside your head, and that's what you stick to, right? You want that thing right there, so you so you see all the signs in the world of that thing that ain't right, but you still want that thing right there. And then when you get it, you know what happened? You end up getting taken take to the bank. Now I've had that happen to me a couple of times. That's why I don't want anything. I ain't fixated on anything. But see, it took me a long time. It took me. Until I got a little mature to understand that material things, own material things, own people, all those things that don't make they don't make no hill of beans. Don't make no hill of beans. You can't keep people and you can't keep material things. Life is all about change. Once you get into your mind where you stop wanting someone so much of this material stuff out here, right? When you when you get in your mind when you don't want to be famous, you don't have to be famous, want everybody to know me, well, I want my name, want every license plate, a bumper sticker that goes by. When you get that out your head and you learn to accept life for the changes that life brings to you every day, when you understand that whatever you did yesterday is behind you. Now look, I'm not no motivational speaker. Not one bit Only thing I'm saying is this. I'm saying is that these janky people out here they only want what they can get. And let me tell you something. The more you get, the more you can't keep, the more you want more. What is it you have all the money in the world? Like I told you all about uh, Getty. J. Paul Getty. All the money in the world. He died broke. You know why he died broke? Because he couldn't take it with him. That's why he died broke. And you read the story, you about the countless stories. This boy Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos now got all the money in the world. You know what he can't do? Can't take it with him. And they just want more and more and more. But is they happy? They need motivation. And you know what their motivation is? Their motivation is being janky. How much more that they can trick somebody out of. But to me, like, again, I don't think it's a trick of people out of, say, money. I think what you do is we, the people, we get tricked by the desires and the things that we want. So, only thing people like the Kreflow Dollars, the Kenneth Copelands, the uh, Jeff Bezos, and all them people do. Only thing they do is give the people what they want They just give the people what they want That's all I can't really call them janky for that Give the people what they want you know, just, I, I tell y'all a little story, I, Shoot, look Hey, I had this thing I was fixated on That thing took me to the cleaners That <laughs> thing took me to the cleaners I can't get mad at that thing I can't get mad at that thing I'm the stupid one See, I'm like this ill I take responsibility for what I do. And if and, and if and if I did something to lead me to a negative position, it ain't nobody fault but mine. So that's what I'm saying here. When I when I looked when I went back and listened to my story on Jackie Jones, and when I heard the little talk on Kref Dollar, I didn't get mad, I didn't get upset. I didn't call him a trickster. I didn't say he was after money. Everybody knew he had the money. But people still sit there every Sunday. People still spend $65 million to buy him an airplane. People still do it. So you can't, you can't call that man a uh, janky, but he is janky. He's just giving people what they want. And it's not just not him. They got these other passers, especially down in Atlanta. They got some passers down there. They're getting them, boy. But you got Rick Warren. You got Rick Warren in Arizona. He got a whole compound. What is it? What is it uh, the 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 sum driven, the sum driven life. He wrote a book, one of the best selling. Uh, the, oh, the purpose driven life, one of the number one books there was. Rick Warren, he getting them. I think I think he did Obama inauguration, of one of them. He getting them. He got a whole campus or compound. They call it compounds now. School, church, all that stuff, getting them every Sunday. I don't think he getting them every Sunday. He giving the people what they want. And I see on you on a uh, YouTube got this little young fella. He getting them now. And see they getting smart now. They're not dressing in all that shiny jewelry and stuff. They're trying to dress in tennis shoes like regular common folks. To make you think they just like you. But they getting you. They all janky because can't nobody promise you nothing outside of this world. And they ain't going to give you nothing inside this world because they're taking it from their pockets. The motivation that you should have is to get up every morning and see a beautiful day. And think about how can I improve me? How can I make me better than I was yesterday? See what I'm saying? That way I don't get mad about yesterday. No matter all the mistakes I may have said I make, there were no mistakes. Those just things I've been through. Heck, I'm going to make some more mistakes in the future, probably. I hope to, because that means I'm alive. But what you don't do, you don't fixate on those things. You don't fixate them so much to where you need to go out and find somebody that's like the, the Creflo Dollars or the uh, or or the uh, or the, or the uh, Tony Robbins, you know, all these motivational people to motivate you because you're so fixated on the past, what you think you feel or you didn't accomplish. Man, that don't make no matter. It don't make no matter. What matters is what you learn from them and how you're going forward. You wouldn't need these janky people to take your money. You wouldn't need them to take your money. Like I say, I, I call them janky, but they ain't janky, but they is janky. <laughs> hey, they're like a pimp. Promise you something that they can't deliver. Yeah, you know, that's the cool thing about religion. I should have been a preacher. Religion is the only thing. Right? Where you can preach and you can promise them and you can get paid for never delivering. Listen, tax-free. Tax-free. Even motivation speakers. They don't they don't, they don't have to you don't, don't have to deliver nothing to you. They don't, they don't have to fix you. They don't do anything. They can make you feel good. You know what? Like when you put a good record on, man, that record does make you feel good. Ooh, some chills down your body. You know what I mean? Ooh, that record sounds good. And then when that, when the four minutes when that record is off, you go back to feeling like you felt before the record came on. The feeling is gone. That's how these, that's how these janky people do you. They make you feel so good that you go in your pockets and you give them everything. But then as soon as you leave their presence, right, you're back in the same situation you were before you came. But you know what? You, you need another fix, right? You need another fix. So to keep you fixed. Let me sell you something Let me sell you a book Let me sell you a tape Let me sell you something Let me sell you God Because you know God is the product Let me just sell you something That's going to keep your mind focused Not on improving yourself But improving me That's what janky people do Janky people keep your mind fixed on Them Not improving your situation (laughs) Well I'm telling y'all I'll tell you, I, it fascinates me. I can't get mad at him though. Can't get mad at him. Let me tell you something. I ain't been tricked out of money. I don't worry about that though. That was in the pay. <laughs> I don't worry about that. I didn't learn from it. I don't worry about that. I give you replace money. I probably lost more money on the stock market. How much more people lost on the stock market? But think thing about it is, what do you learn from it? Ooh, i do not do that no more. <laughs> I don't do that no more. It don't. It don't. But I understand. I understand. Everybody ain't got the compa- got the capacity to compartmentalize. I understand that people hang on to just too much stuff. You know, like this one young man over the weekend. It just sads me all the opportunity that he has in the world. He's so fixated on what his dad didn't do. We just smoke weed all the time. We only make it more For Mother just giving him everything, trying her best to save her baby. But you know what? That's the problem right there. She gave him too much. Kick his little tail out, make him fly. Let him back in the house three, four times he was schooled. I don't even want to smoke weed. But use that emotion on his mind about, oh my dad. Your mom gave you everything growing up. Your dad wasn't there. But you know what? Think about this. If your dad would have been there, it probably would have been worse. You probably would have had it worse because they wasn't getting along. So what happened to dad there and the mom and dad ain't getting along? But the mama still provided provided for you way better than probably if the dad was there because he wasn't no good. But he fixated now. On, on everything he do, is because of his dad, his support, his dad wasn't there. That's an excuse. That's a marijuana excuse. That's all I look at that as. Excuse. You want to see bad? Let me tell you something. I can tell you a lot of areas where kids got it bad at. You ain't got it bad when you got a roof over your head. Mama got good money. Family got good money. You ain't you ain't doing bad. Now you got a low, you, you got a low count Jackie Daddy, but he ain't been there. He ain't been there. You oh are, are you that you are you that blind? You know what an old man told me one time, he said, Look, boy, he said, I'm gonna tell you how folks is. Folks will have five one dollar bills in their hand, and one of them one dollar bills blow out their hand. He said they'll drop them $4 to go chase that $1 in the wind. Ain't that something? Like when all the little fellas back down there in uh, uh um, in, in Pontiac when, when me, Vince, Damon, Harold, Geez, Willie Maven, when we used to go uh, uh boom boom, we used to go to Pike Street store. I told y'all, we we go in there as a group. Now that man, he know we's gonna steal, right? So we be always do- split up. He can't watch all of us, right? He, he can't watch all of us, you know, but he got the mirrors. He's he good at watching the mirrors. Now, he know we just stole something, but he know if he go after one of us, go after one of us who stole something, that means the others going to rob the stole blind. You got all this stuff in there, but you going to rob some, somebody who took one thing. And that's what I look at I look at this young fella. Like I say, Daddy, his daddy's just so janky. And he turned out he gonna be janky just like a daddy if he don't turn around, if he don't turn himself around. Because usually you become that which you hate. I've seen a lot of gals, I see a lot of gals who hate their mama. Oh, my mama ain't no good. She just janky. She lies, she still she she, she ain't no good. And they turn out just like their mama. Now, a, lot, a lot of times you turn out just like the folks that you hate. So I little time telling man, you got everything, man. You got everything, except for one thing. You got everything, except for one thing. Your daddy, and you know he janky. He ain't no good. But you got you got all this stuff. So you gonna throw all this stuff away because of one thing, your janky daddy. And and and, and for what? What can he do for you now? Put his arm around you and say, I love you, boy. Sometimes some you're not gonna have everything you need in life. But you're gonna have the most important things in your in your in life. The most important things in life is, is your life. That's the most important thing in life. The things that you that, thing, that you can look at yourself and be proud of accomplishing. That's what you can do in life. You got a mama that loves your death, sister that love your death, and you focus on your janky daddy. Your no-count janky daddy. You focus on your no-count janky daddy. You will throw everything away over your low-count janky daddy. Now I'm telling y'all, that it sads me young man, beautiful young man, smart young man, very highly intelligent, at the prime of his life, only 19, 20 years old. He can do anything in the world. Now, one thing I do understand too is that when you're young, you you go through these phases. And with time, you can heal. But see, the times are just so troubling these days with these young folks because they just got so much to distract them. So much more distracting than we had coming up. And I feel that I hope he don't end up into some troubles. You hang with the wrong people, you gets in trouble. When you sit around a hot smoking marijuana all day while your mama work ain't doing nothing but giving her excuses, you know what's gonna happen? Something gonna happen. And I just hope nothing happened. But the one thing I hope is that you, you got to leave janky people alone, because janky people ain't no good for you. You can have your daddy in life, but he, if that fool ain't no good, he ain't no good for you. He's janky. You don't want to be around janky people. You don't want to give janky people your money. You don't want to give janky people your time. You want to listen to janky people, though. You listen to them and know and learn what not to do, who not to be around. It's an amazing thing here, boy, I tell you. But let me tell y'all, sir, I think I took no, none of y'all time <laughs> with my story. What y'all think about my story? Janky Jones, Janky Jones, something else, boy. And that was part one. I got a part two up. Maybe I'll play for y'all some other time. Also, that little talk I heard on Low Dollar. Creflo Dollar, something else, man. Like I said, y'all, boy, he, him and a whole lot like him. White, black, whatever color. They all janky. Matter of fact, down in the Philippines, I saw a thing on YouTube. The Philippine, Philippines, Philippines, some preacher down there preaching Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the product now. Preaching Jesus down in the Philippines. Folk down, the folks, them people ain't got no money. Now how you go to Africa <coughs> preaching about Jesus in Africa? The people ain't got no money. But what little they got, janky people will take it out of you. They'll take it out of you, and they'll leave a hole that needs to be filled the next week. And they'll take what well, little from you next week, like I say, from the, from the pastors to the to some of the motivational speakers out here, all of them, they all janking. But I gotta admit, if they satisfy that feeling that, that feeling that hole that, that that you got, then so be it. Nothing wrong with them. Matter of fact, I wish I'd have became a preacher. Give me some of that money. One thing I like about them preachers, especially these days, is these preachers out here messing with these little kids. See, first thing it was the Catholics. That we heard or heard about the Catholics. But see, they ain't just the Catholics. See, I've been seeing some things here, these preachers out here messing with these little kids. Ain't, ain't ain't like it's just Jeffrey Epstein. A lot of janky stuff going on with these pastors and these kids. And you grown them, you grown folks, you grown folks, you parents. Right? Y'all ain't watching y'all kids because, because at least 80% of the people who attend church is women. Women. Women with kids. I would say about 90% women with kids attend church. And these predators are sitting in the pulpit. These janky predators are sitting in these pulpits, And they mess with these little kids. Nah, nah, let me. Nah, I'm not gonna get off on that right now. I think I'm gonna do a whole talk on that, cause I'm not liking what I'm seeing here lately. See, like I say, some of these black pastors they ain't no better than some of these these, these white pastors or or the Catholics. They ain't no better, cause that's who they learn it from. And what they hate about hate about us black folks is we say what well, the white man do it. So the white man do it, so that gives you an excuse to do it to your people, huh? You see, that what I see. That what that see. That's janky right there you all white man do it. Why ain't nobody say about the white man? You ain't the white man. You you call yourself better. You call yourself God, right? You call yourself Jesus, the first Jesus, you supposed to be better. How you compare yourself to somebody that you supposed to be better to? Now, now that's your word. You say, Well, we we God. We God, man. We was here first people. But yet, every time you do something wrong, you always say, Well, they do it. Embezzle money, steal. From corporations, and you say, "Well, the white men steal money from corporations. They do it. You ain't them. You supposed to be better than them." From 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 what I from what I'm hearing, but I'm just not liking that. What I'm seeing, everybody messing around these, these little kids. Matter of fact, I, I don't want to get off too much into this. But last weekend, I was down in uh, Orlando, and me and my gal, we was riding this one area, and she said, "This Chinatown." Now, it was kind of Didn't really good, a good look. She says Chinatown. Now, I'm looking around. I say, don't look no Chinatown to me, Chinatown. But then I saw some Chinese writing because, you know, I was thinking of, like Chinatown, like in San Francisco, you know, with big dragons, signs of dragons everywhere like that, you know. But, no, it was a nice, clean area. And then I saw a the Chinese sign. And she said, you know what goes on in this area? I said, no. She said, this is a high traffic area. I said, what? She said, yeah, Chinatown right here in Orlando. Look it up. It's the highest traffic area Down here in central Florida Up in this area I'm like what kind of traffic can they do I'm thinking about drugs She said no I'm talking to girls Little kids High traffic area Now that what she say I don't know I was like man I better get out of here But I think I'm a little too old They don't want me <laughs> But that thing about it They're not After they're not trafficking These little gals You gotta watch the little boys too these preachers and all this stuff, they like them little boys, probably like them little boys more than them little gals. So if I can leave y'all anything, y'all got any kids or grandkids, y'all watch y'all kids. Y'all watch y'all kids because there's just so many, so much stuff going out here these days. And keep away from janky folks. Janky folks make you laugh. They, they, oh, they good pranks. They good janky. They, they can motivate you real good, but you got to watch them janky folks. Keep away from janky folks. <laughs> all right. but well, look here. I took up enough of y'all time like always, man. Look, y'all get a chance. Y'all pick up that Oscar Belladura Superfly. Man, this is going to taste I can't tell y'all because I ain't smoked it yet. But my buddy John says it's supposed to be a pretty good little stick. All right. Uh, and always when I leave y'all, I like to tell y'all in closing, y'all take care of everybody. But more importantly, y'all take care of y'all self first. 1st alright now.